Today we want to read uh, the first seven verses. Because you know, we this just beginning our, our series through the book of Romans, going verse by verse, and and there are going to be times we're going to go word by word. And today is one of those. We're going to read seven verses, but really there's just one word that the, the Lord has been bringing out to me. And I promise you <laughs> that every Sunday we won't be just taking one word. Uh, none of us would live long enough to get through the book of Romans if we did word by word. But uh, so... Uh, so let's let's read uh, just the first seven verses. The, this is really the introduction, as as Paul uh, has the intro to this letter. So the first seven verses, Romans one from the New King James Version. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures. Concerning his son, Christ Jesus our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God, with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray once again. So, as we come to your word, Father, help us. Help us to understand. Help us to have discernment. And, and Father, what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake, and in His name I pray, Amen. Amen. You can go back, put, put the previous uh, verses up where it's got that verse 1. Paul, a, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> That's the word I want to look at today. Uh, in, in the uh, New King James Version, it says uh, bondservant, in, in the Greek, the word is doulos, which means, you, you remember what it means? Slave. It means slave. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that he is a slave of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul is not the only biblical writer to say this. Second Peter 1.1 1, 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And then to, to who he wrote this letter. So Simon Peter is calling himself also a bondservant. And again, the Greek word there is doulos. Uh, when we went through the book of James, perhaps you might remember the first verse of the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is James? The the, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, what's he, what's he calling himself? A slave of Jesus Christ. And, and I remember when we went through that, <laughs> you know, James could have said, look at me. I'm James, a, a brother, an actual brother. I, I grew up around him. 
Listen to me, I could tell you some things. But James didn't do that, did he? He said, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Now, the, 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 the new King, King James translate all of these as bondservant. The, 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 the King James version of the ESV translate them as, as servant. And uh, I remember Brother Jim, I don't know how long ago that's been, I lose track of time sometimes, probably maybe a couple of years ago in one of the Sunday morning openings, Jim talked about the subject of a slave. Maybe some of you may remember that. And he mentioned a book from Pastor John MacArthur entitled simply Slave. I remember that and I asked him if he had his copy and he loaned it to me and I got to read most of it this week and a very interesting reading. And in the book, John, he, he shares the story of how he was on an airplane and, and, and uh, just this thought kept coming to him because John, he knows Greek. And, and John is one of those that I go to in his commentaries because I don't know, I've never studied Greek, but I know those who have. And so I can go and I can read their commentaries and I can go to a Strong's with the number system, and I can look, and yeah, that's what that word was, and I can go to Greek dictionaries, and you know, I've got four or five that I can look and say, okay, now that is definitely what that word means. And, and John was troubled at why this word was translated servant or bondservant instead of what it was, slave. Because at this time, whether it was in biblical writing or whether it was in secular writing, whatever it was, the word doulos always meant slave. It didn't mean anything else. It meant slave. There were a half a dozen or more words that meant servant. But the one that meant slave, and it was always doulos. And, and so John in his mind, he's questioning why almost all English language Bible translators chose servant, or it seems like in the New King James Version, they added the bond on their bond servant, trying to give it a little more emphasis, you see, than just regular servant. Why did they choose this word over the literal meaning slave? Perhaps, and again, this is just perhaps, perhaps it was with or because of negative connotations given to the word slave. Uh, today we would say, well, they, they did it trying to be politically correct. And because uh, John also shared that he was in a meeting and he was talking about these very things, and at the end of it, a, 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 a pastor, a black pastor came to him and said, John, how am I going to go to my congregation and tell them that they're a slave of Jesus Christ? How can I do that? Well, you can do that because you go to the biblical definition. You can do it because you can go and explain to them exactly what it means, you see. So I want us to consider what it means biblically to be a slave this morning. Whether it be a slave to sin, or as Paul and Peter and James spoke, a slave 
of Jesus Christ. And you may ask, <laughs> some of you may be thinking right now, what difference does it make? You know, preacher, why, why, why are you making a big deal out of this? Well, I just want to point out a couple of things as we begin. And, and as I do, as I point out just a few of these things, for some of you, Scripture is going to start flooding your mind. Because while it is true that the duties of a servant and a slave can overlap in appearance, you know, we, we could agree with that. They're, they're both uh, doing a job, so, so those duties can overlap to some degree, but there are key distinctions between the two. A huge one is this. Servants are hired. Slaves are owned. They are purchased. Huge difference. And even as I say that, I know there's scriptures coming to your mind. And we're going to read some of them a little bit later. But there's a key difference. See, a servant worked for a wage. that They had an element of freedom in deciding who they would work for. They could quit. They could move on. They could go work for somebody else. And they maintained a level of freedom and personal rights. But a slave was owned. A slave had been purchased. They had no rights of their own. To be considered someone's slave was to be their personal possession. And again, when I say that, there's verses coming to mind for some of you, aren't there? There is. You see, they, they were bound to obey their master's will without hesitation or argument. They couldn't quit. E even if they tried to run away, the master would come for them and pursue them and capture them and bring them back. Oh yes, uh, perhaps they would be punished because of their disobedience. Perhaps they, through the rest of their life, would suffer consequences because of that disobedience, but the master would bring them back. And Paul, Peter, and James called themselves slaves of Jesus Christ because their aim, their goal, was to please their Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians 1, verse 10, Or do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Bondservant, doulos, that's, that's the word there. I would not be a slave of Christ. Romans 6, let's go there. Verses 15 and 16. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Now, you remember earlier he had just he had just said Paul had just asked the question shall we continue in sin that grace may be may abound no certainly not so did, what then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace certainly not do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey you are that one slaves whom you obey now, let me pause. Uh, the, the, the New King James Version here renders doulos a slave. King James Version, both times, render it servant. But, but do you see 
the magnitude of the difference. So I hope you can. I hope it's not just me. Because this gripped me. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whither, now listen, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. See, one is either a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness. There is no middle ground. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, and perhaps you never thought of this as slave language, but I want you to consider it this morning. No one can serve two masters. Do you see that? You're going to be a slave to one or the other. Jesus said you, you can't serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Two masters. You can be a slave only to the one or the other, you cannot serve two masters. And, and Paul's point in Romans 6 is the same. One is either a slave of sin, which we all either are or were by our natural birth, or we are a slave of righteousness, which is brought by our new birth, by our spiritual birth, by our being born again. We are all a slave to either sin leading to death or to righteousness leading to eternal life. Now, now, now listen, Paul in Romans 6 wasn't just saying that a believer should try to be a slave to righteousness, but that every Christian by divine creation, having been born again, is made to be a slave of righteousness. You see that? It's not a choice. He has made us by our new birth to be a slave of righteousness. And we cannot be anything else. Does that mean we'll always walk in perfect obedience? I'm not saying that. When we disobey, the Master will come for us. Ephesians 4, verses 17 and 18. This I say, therefore... And testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, I just said for those who were born again, those who have the Spirit of God in them, all we can be because of our new birth is a slave to Christ, a slave of righteousness. Amen? The same holds true for those who are yet slaves of sin. Now listen. Apart from a miracle of mercy, apart from a quickening from the Holy Spirit, apart from being resurrected from their spiritual deadness, all they can be is a slave to sin. That's all they can be. Why? Because we just read. 
because having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. That is all they can be. 2 Corinthians 4th chapter, verses 3 and 4. Uh, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. To, to the lost, to them the gospel is veiled. To those who are perishing. Why? Because the, the, their minds, the God of this age has blinded, and they do not believe. That's, that, that's the lost. That's the unbeliever. Now, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. We've talked about this many different times. Try to talk to someone about the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a bunch of garbage to them. It's nothing but foolishness to them because that's all it can be apart from their eyes being opened by the Spirit of God. So the message of the cross is foolishness and can only be foolishness to those who are perishing until light shines into darkness, until they're awakened, if you want to say it that way, until they're resurrected from their spiritual deadness. But, but, <laughs> to us who are being saved... What, what is the message of the cross? It's the power of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. You see, praise the Lord. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let's go to chapter 2, 1 Corinthians, verse 14. And again, here it's bringing home that point once again, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, a lost person, we encourage them to pick up the Bible and read it, don't we? I encourage the lost, go to the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John. But I know full well, until the Lord opens their eyes, it, it, it'll, it won't make sense. But, and we talked about, we've talked about this, but, but when should the Lord open our eyes to see truth? You know what? Memories of the past start flooding back, don't they? I, that's what that meant. I, I can see that now. We, we, we sing a song that says, Born of the Spirit, now I can see. All of the treasure He's given to me. Couldn't see it before. Couldn't see it. But born of the Spirit, now I can. See, seeds are planted. Seeds are planted. The, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, a lot of the things come into full bloom, don't they? And then we can see. And then we can see. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. <laughs> so I, I thank the Lord, don't you, that, that, that for so many of us, the message of the cross is not foolishness, that, that we are no longer perishing, 
no longer a slave of sin and death, but, but now a slave of righteousness and, and eternal life. Now, I want us to go to 1 John, the third chapter, verses 9 and 10. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let's talk about that. Because a lot of people take this and they'll stop right there. And they will, and I've had conversations with people, so I'm born again. I don't sin. I don't sin. The Bible tells me right there. The first John 3, first, the verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Um, it, is, is that what this is saying? No, of course not. The, the Word of God cannot contradict itself. You know, it, it's not saying that, that a Christian, once born again, never sins. I, I could ask just this, this group of people, the born-again people in here, do you ever stumble? Yes, yes uh, we would all say, yes, we do. Yes, I do. We, we stumble, we fall into sin momentary sin i'm gonna put it that way because when when we when we stray when we go away the master won't leave us out there he'll bring us back see see the greek word for do not oh i, I did read the king james i got got a note here in the in the king james it says uh, uh does not commit whoever I'm not exactly sure how it is, but I put this in there. Now, the Greek word for in the King James, it says does not, does not sin. The, the King James Version says does not commit sin. It, it's one Greek word. It's poieo, which means a prolonged, continued action. And I've got the NASB, which gives more the literal meaning of what this verse means. It says, no one who is born of God practices sin. Do you see the huge difference there? You know, that's why it's so good to have, I believe it is anyway, yes, we can read the Bible, but, but can we understand it all? Do, do we know the Greek? Can we go back? We don't know it all. I don't know it all. That's why I think it's so good to have, have uh, Greek uh, uh, dictionaries and and have other commentaries not to say that I believe they're always right no they're not but at least you can go and you can you can uh, hear from 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 others because I've got great men of God and, and we do we've got man from the from the Puritans and on up well, we've got contemporaries today that I love to listen to and to read their commentaries about what they have to say about particular verses. Doesn't mean I always agree. That's not perhaps where the Lord has me at the moment. I may get there and then I may not. Maybe they'll have a change of heart and, and believe how I see it. On, on fundamentals, we've talked about this a lot, on fundamentals of foundational truths of the doctrines of grace, we must agree. There, there can be no disagreement there. But there are a lot of other smaller things that, that, that oh, we're just not going to know. But here, to me, the NASB gets it right. No one, because it takes the question out of it. No one who is born of God practices sin. Practice a continued action. That's all they do. A continual pattern of sin 
continuing. That's not a picture of one who is truly born again. Now, uh, temporary sinful disobedience may at times appear to dominate a Christian's life. Yes. But a true believer cannot continue indefinitely in disobedience. Can we agree? Cannot continue indefinitely. If they do, what's that mean? They were not born again. They're not His. That's what that means. Because the Lord, the Good Shepherd, will, will go. He will bring the lost sheep. He will bring them back. Let me read it again. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Why? For His seed. For the Lord's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. Sin will not be their practice. See, there we go again. Sin will not be their practice of life. Why? Why? Because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest, are, are revealed, are made known. You see, whoever does not, and here, the, here they, they got it right. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. See, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. They're made visible. They're made apparent. Why? Because of their practice of life. They will either be practicing sin or righteousness, and it will be made evident by their practice of life. 1 John 1.6 if we say that we have fellowship with Him, with the Lord, and walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not tell the truth. If it's a continual walk in darkness, a practice of walking in darkness, no, we do not know the truth. Go to 1 John 2, verse 4. He who says, I know Him, know the Lord, he who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. By our practice of life, the saint and the sinner are made manifest, made known. Can we all say amen to that? It, it'll be made known. For the unbeliever, their practice of life bears witness that they are yet a slave of sin. But for the born-again believer, our practice of life will be toward righteousness and holiness. You know, our, our former life of being a slave to sin is past. It's past. We have been set free from that. Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh, the Lord's flesh, through death. Why? So that he may present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. I love that verse. That's why Christ came. In Christ we have been changed forever. <laughs> Thanks be to God. No longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. Now, let's, let's go back to uh, Romans 6. We've, we read uh, uh, 15, 16. Let's go to verse 17 through 23. Talking about thanks be to God. Listen. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, 
So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Now, let me pause there because sometimes people read that and they go, what, what, what? A slave of sin, but you was free? The Holy Spirit wasn't there convicting you. Yes, I believe for every, every person born, it seems to me that they do have a conscience that, that is placed in them. It, it seems, of course, we have people in prison that it seems that they have no conscience, but, but it seems that everyone would have a conscience that, that you don't kill somebody else. Maybe not. But, but for those who are yet a slave of sin, they are free to sin. There is nothing that, that is hindering them. I guess they are free. Did that make sense, what I just said? That they are free in regard to it because there is no Holy Spirit in them. The, the message of the cross is foolishness. The Bible is foolishness. The Ten Commandments are foolishness. They are free to do whatever they want to, to do what is right in their own eyes. Let me say it that way. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? <laughs> Having been born again, do you look back on the things that you thought you were free to do and now you have shame even thinking about it? The things you used to do. But, but as Dusty pointed out, but now in Christ, oh, oh, we've been set free from those things. There's no need to wallow in shame at, at things in the past. Oh, we, we've been made new. For the end of those things is death. But now... Having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. And then there's the verse, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, a person is either a slave to sin, which leads to death, or a slave to God, to Jesus Christ and righteousness leading to eternal life. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Don't you love the child of God? Don't you love that? But God be thanked that though, put yourself in a verse, that though I was a slave to sin, yet now because a change has been wrought in my heart by, by, by my Intellect by something good that I did? No, no, because the Lord wrote my name, or wrote His name on my heart. That, because of that. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Peter echoes the same words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Peter 1, verses 22 and 23. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. <laughs> How is anyone able to obey from the heart that form of doctrine to which we were delivered? How are we able to do that? How, how are we born again? Peter wrote, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through what? Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So, so it seems to me 
that, that our eyes are opened as the truth of God's Word is moved along by the Holy Spirit. Can I, can I say it that way? When, when the Word of God becomes real because it has been moved by the Holy Spirit to, to not awaken us, but to resurrect us because we were dead. What, what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? What did he say? You must be what? Born again. Let, let's read it. John 3, verses 3 through 8. Jesus answered and said to him, to Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. See, let me pause there. That, that's why the natural man, the man that is only flesh and nothing but flesh, cannot discern the things of the Spirit. Because that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. Verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now listen, the, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What's it saying? The Spirit moves in much the same way as the wind. It goes where the Master tells it to go. And it blows upon, it breathes upon those that the Master tells it to breathe upon. Does that make sense as, as I put it in that language? You know, you've heard songs talking about the breath of heaven, the Holy Spirit. You know, has the Holy Spirit breathed on you? See, that to be born again. We could put it in that language, and I hope I'm not being misleading there, but, but when the Holy Spirit breathes on you, you're enlightened. You're, the, the eyes of your heart are opened that you might see not only God, that you might see the gospel, but that you might see yourself as who you are before a most holy God, a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to ask us these again, and, and, and I hope you do not tire when I do this, because all of this, if the gospel is not preached from this pulpit, where are we? Yes, we are. And that should someone who is yet lost come I pray, Lord, did the gospel go out? Because I asked the question, has the Spirit breathed on you? And some of you might be saying, I have no clue what he's talking about. And, and so listen to these verses. I read them last week. Because let me ask this, have you ever come to that point where you realize that you're a sinner? Oh, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. <laughs> Do the Ray Comfort thing, right? Oh, you think you're a pretty good person, huh? Did you ever lie? In your life, have you ever told a lie? What's, what's the Bible say about that? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a liar. And you can go through all those things, the way of the master things. I think those are good. To let people know. Because the law was the tutor that I may know that I was a sinner. Do you understand that? What was the purpose of the law? So, so that 
so that we could look at it. Do not bear false witness. Do not, do not steal. Do not do this. Do not do those things. That, that the law was the tutor that showed me. No, I, I didn't live up to that. Well, if we didn't live up to the law, what's that mean? We're not holy. We're not righteous. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Every person born on the face of this planet, save Jesus Christ, born into sin, born a slave of sin. Everyone. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you remain a slave to sin, all you're going to face is death and judgment and the wrath of God. That's all. That's all. But, but by the Spirit, by the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God in mercy and love provided a rescue for sinners. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? Romans 5 verse, verse 8, we read it before. But God demonstrates His, His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died to pay the debt, to pay the wage, the cost of sin for, for all who would by faith believe and receive Jesus Christ, that, that while we were yet serving our master Satan, Christ loved us and purchased us away from our former slave master. You see the picture of the slave and the masters. The Lord upon the cross paid for our redemption to free us from our old Master, so that now we are His. He is our Master. That we would look to Him, Romans 10, verses 9 through 13, that if you would confess your, with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me pause there again. How does anyone ever believe in their heart? The Holy Spirit breathes on them to open their eyes they can see the truth, all the things perhaps they have heard over and over again, and it becomes real. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord. Over all is rich to all who call upon Him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, 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 what if the Spirit breathes on me and I don't want to believe? I've heard comments such as that. Let me tell you this. No one gets saved against their will. There is no unwilling believers. I guarantee you that. It's when the Holy Spirit breathes on you, I'm telling you, you have no other recourse. In light of the holiness of God, because that's what is happening. He is revealing Himself in a small way to you. And in light of the holiness of God, we are changed. We are changed. Saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved, say it so often, saved from the wrath of God that one, that one day be poured out upon all unbelievers. Why does anyone go to hell? One word is all you need to say, unbelief. And that covers it. Unbelief in the gospel. 
John 11, 25, verse uh, 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That there is life, life in Christ. We're going to go ahead and read John 3, verses 14 through 18 again. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, must be lifted up, without Christ dying on the cross, where we would be lost, lost, he, it had to happen, it had to happen, must be lifted up, and that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. To, to not perish, not be among those who are perishing that we read verses about so far today. But instead of being among the perishing, now we're, we're among those who are saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is what? Condemned already. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. Thanks to an ancestor from long ago in the Garden of Eden. Yes? In the first man, Adam, all fell. <laughs> Praise be to God, through the second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, we can live. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Why is anyone condemned unbelief? There's the question, do you believe? Oh, I pray that you do. And if not, I pray, Lord, have mercy. Lord, open the eyes of any who is yet lost in their, in their sin that are still uh, following, and their master is the wicked one of Satan himself. Help them to see. Open their eyes. Because we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. No other way. Amen? No other way. No other way. You know, we, we talked about this some last week of those who are of the way, and, and we read uh, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. There is salvation in no other but Jesus Christ. Anything else is just of the wicked one. Amen? And that's all it is. Deception. Leading others astray. Darkening their minds with untruth. Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His, of his love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. There is redemption in no other but Jesus Christ. His blood, the payment, the ransom, the propitiation for our sin. And so may, may the child of God remember that it was from slavery to sin that God has saved us. He has transferred us from death to life, from darkness to light, from slaves to sin to slaves of Christ. 
I want to read that Romans 5, 8 one more time. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, that's true redeeming love, isn't it? When we loved nothing but ourselves and our sin, God first loved us so that we might respond to him in faith. 1 John 4, verse 10. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Then verse 19, we love him. Why? Why? How how can we love him? How could we ever love God? Because he first loved us. Now, here's what I want you to do. I I, I want us to go back in our mind some some 2,000 years. let's, Let's go to the Roman slave market. The slaves are lined up. They're, 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 they're brought forth then. Uh, sometimes one at a time, perhaps in a group. And the bidding begins. Now, what part does the slave play in all this? Not a thing. Nothing. What, what rights or choices do they have? None. They have none. <clears throat> the slaves do not choose They're masters. The slaves are just things. They're mere objects which could be bought or sold without any say-so on their part. So in the Roman slave market, decisions regarding the slave's future rested solely in the hands of the purchaser, not the one being sold. In the same manner, the Bible teaches that God has chosen His slaves by His own sovereign electing choice. In fact, he elected them to be his slaves before they were born. Even before the world began. I can't fathom that. I I can't fathom the the plans and purposes of God. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. That's a great verse, isn't it? It's all in there. Belief in the truth. Sanctification by the Spirit. That God is the one who chose us for salvation from the beginning. 2 Timothy 1.9 who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before, before what? Before time began. We were chosen. We, we were bought at a price. Now, now let's read the verse that I know many of you, well, when's He going to read that verse? Well, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? This is to those who are born again, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We were bought at a price. What was the price? The death of God's only begotten Son, of the dearly beloved. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In Him, in the Lord, we have redemption through His blood. 
The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Now, I really want us to think about this for, for, for a moment. He, he purchased us. He purchased you. If, you. if you're born again, He purchased you. Now, let's go back to that slave market. You're a buyer. You're there. You're looking at what's being brought up. What are you looking for? Let's say you've got, you've got a big farm and, and you're needing help. Well, what are you looking for? You're, 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 you're looking for perhaps someone big, someone strong looking, some, someone that looks real healthy. You're looking for somebody that, that's perhaps a certain age, you know, that, that they would have longevity perhaps if you didn't work them too hard. You're, you're, looking, you're looking for just the right one because of, of their appearance, because of many things. And, and, and many of these people that were brought to the slave market were educated. Don't think that they were all just just brought in there. There were many who were educated that that had, for some reason of life, perhaps were jerked out of their office or out of their home or out of their whatever and placed in that slave market, and perhaps they were very educated. And so perhaps there's some that that, that had a, a huge house or a palace, and they're looking for someone that has some smarts, so someone that can maybe run a household. You see, they're, they're looking for particular things to match what they need. Now let me ask you this. Is that what God does? In the slave market of sin? Is that what He did? He, he looked for those He thought would, would be just right for, for Him? No. No, God chose His slaves with full knowledge of their failures and weaknesses while we were yet sinners. See, God knew who He was getting when He got me. He knew who He was getting when He got you, if you were born again. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26-29 through 29. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. So there'll be no boasting on our part, will there? Because the true born-again believer if they know the truth, they know they have nothing to boast in save Christ and the cross. God chose us to salvation in spite of ourselves, saving us not because of goodness on our part, but according to His own eternal purposes and for the sake of His glory. If you're born again, I hope you're seeing things that perhaps you've not really considered before. I hope you're seeing the depths of how much God loved you. That He purchased you. That, that, that He went into the slave market of sin and He saw you even for who you were and purchased you by the blood of Christ. John 15, 16. Jesus was talking to His disciples, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask in the Father, 
Ask the Father in my name, I will give you. And we know we can take other scriptures, whatever we ask according to his will, he gives us. Chosen by God to be a slave of righteousness, a slave of Jesus Christ. Now, because I understand that all this talk about being a slave, that some of you may be sitting there saying, well, I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to be a slave. That don't sound good to me. I don't, I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to be anybody's slaves. Well, listen, yes, you do. And you want to be the slave of the good master, not of the wicked one. You, you want to be a slave to the perfect master, the one who treats his slave as they should be treated. Because everybody listen, everybody listen. Child of God, know this, that God not only purchased us, making us a slave to righteousness, to Christ. But listen, but listen, but listen. But He has also welcomed us into His household. He has also made us members of His family. You see? So, so, so let's, let's take it there. Let's not leave it as just a slave because he, he calls us not only a slave, but a friend. We're now a friend of God, no longer an enemy. He has brought us into His family. You know, even back in, in ancient times that, that there are those who, who became slaves of a household. And they could be. It didn't happen often. But it could be that they could be adopted into that family and made a member of that family. It happened back in those days. And that's exactly what Christ did for everyone who was born again. He not only purchased us, but He brought us into the family. He, he adopted us. We, we have gone from slaves to sons and daughters, you see. Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. See, adopted, purchased, adopted, placed in the family, and forever, 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 God, Abba, Father. Even while we're here, John, John 10, verses 27 through 29 Jesus said, my, my sheep hear my voice. Those who are mine hear my voice. Those who are my slaves. Those who are my children. Those who are my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them, what's He give? Eternal life. Eternal life. And they shall never perish. They shall never perish. You will never be again among the perishing. Praise the Lord. You see that. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Because we're His. God, Kenny talked about it this morning, all the things that God is, omniscient, unpowerful, all that God is, there is none above Him. Certainly there is none beside Him. You see, who could snatch us out of His hand? There is no power in heaven and earth that can take the child of God from the hand of God. Yes, praise His holy name. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord that he keeps us, that he keeps us. Once a slave to sin, but now a slave to righteousness. Once under the wrath of God, now set free, now no condemnation. That, that's a glorious thought, isn't it, for the child of God? Therefore now no condemnation, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, no longer only of the flesh, but now the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. Kept by the power of God. Let's, let's read it from 1 Peter since we mentioned him today. Uh, 1 Peter, first uh, chapter, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, who has, I think the NSB says, has caused us to be born again. <laughs> and that's what he did, isn't it? He caused us to be born again as he opened our eyes when he purchased us out of, out of bondage. Verse 4, he, he, having begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are being kept by, by what? By what? The power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We're being kept by the power of God. We're always ta already talked about. Is there anything greater than God? No. So what a better thing to know that we're being kept by the power of God. I can't keep myself. You can't keep yourself. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's, good, it's a good thing it's not upon me because I stumble and I fall. You do too. But praise be to God, He keeps us. He keeps us. And He keeps bringing us back. Uh, if, if we wander from Him, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love, but He brings us back. And will always keep bringing us back. You see, through Christ Jesus, we are set free. John 8, verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. Put the seal on it. Cannot be changed. If He has made you free, you are free forever. Forever. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from sin and death. We are no longer, no longer slaves to sin, slaves to the fear of death, or slaves to the condemnation of the law. But we have been set free by being made slaves of God for Christ to righteousness. There's freedom in being Christ's purchased possession. His slave. Amen? I hope you see that. There is freedom in being a slave to Jesus Christ. Now, now I want to I end, I want to read a quote, because I talked about MacArthur, a lot of what I've said today, his pieces have been gleaned from, from what I've read from him and, and from other things, but I want to read just a portion uh, from this book, Slave. This is John MacArthur. The New Testament reflects this perspective, commanding believers to submit to Christ completely, and not just as a hired servants or spiritual employees, but as those who belong wholly to Him, completely to Him. We are told to obey Him without question and follow Him without complaint. Jesus Christ is our Master 
a fact we acknowledge every time we call him Lord. We are his slaves, called to humble and wholehearted obedience and honor and giving honor to him. We don't hear about that concept much in churches today. In contemporary Christianity, the language is anything but slave terminology. It is about, it is about success, health, wealth, prosperity, and the pursuit of happiness. We often hear that God loves people unconditionally and wants them to be all they want to be. He wants to fulfill every desire, hope, and dream. Personal ambition, personal fulfillment, personal gratification. These have all become part of the language of evangelical Christianity and part of what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Instead of teaching the New Testament gospel where sinners are called to submit to Christ, the contemporary message is exactly the opposite. Jesus is here to fulfill all your wishes, likening Him to a personal assistant or a personal trainer. Many churchgoers speak of a personal Savior who is eager to do their bidding and help them in their quest for self-satisfaction or individual accomplishment. The New Testament understanding of the believer's relationship to Christ could not be more opposite. He is the master and owner. We are His possession. He is the King, the Lord, and the Son of God. We are His subjects and His subordinates. In a word, we are His slaves. End quote. And that hit me. Well, that, that, that should put it in perspective for the child of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks. And Lord, oh, how could the children of God ever cease from giving you thanks that by the blood of Christ you purchased us? that you went into the slave market of sin and you purchased us, you redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. So Father, help us to always keep that in mind and help us always, help me always to be thankful for what you have done through Christ. And Father, if there should be one who would listen to this sermon that, that is yet lost, and perhaps they listen to it and they, they, they still don't have a clue of, of, of all the things that we talked about. Lord, I pray that you would bring them along, that, that you would open their eyes, that your Spirit would breathe on them, giving them life. So Father, help us to live lives in accordance to your Word. Help us all who are born again to live a life that, that would bring honor and glory to you and never, never, never give reason uh, for the enemy of, of Christ to blaspheme because of something that I have done or said. But Lord, may we, may we walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, be moved along by the Spirit, living each day according to the truth that is found in Your Word. So Father, help us to learn more, to learn more of You and to learn more of who we are in Christ. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.